0: Starts now. I'm Scott
1: Santucci. I'm Brian Lambert, and we are the Sales Enablement Insiders. Our podcast is for sales enablement leaders looking to elevate their function, expand their sphere of influence, and increase the span of control within their companies. Together, Brian and I have worked
2: on over 100 different kinds of sales enablement initiatives as analysts, consultants, or practitioners. We've learned the hard way what works, and maybe what's most importantly what doesn't.
1: Our focus is on you, the sales enablement orchestrator. As you know, sales enablement leaders really need to develop a core skill and competency in the area that blends strategy and tactics to stay mission and goal focused, to prioritize the right action at the right moments, to guide the narrative by confronting reality, to take more of a design approach, not just win through effort, to unlock energy, create momentum and catalyze change. To help with that on this episode, we're going to bring in a head of sales. And Scott's going to talk through some of the attributes of recent sales enablement initiatives. And this is an important lesson for you guys and a, a kind of a, a way to go into the lab. And I really want you to listen for the space that Scott creates with this VP of sales and how he goes about talking through some of the real issues. And as part of that, at the end of the discussion, we'll, we'll kind of role play a little bit of how we might position some of these more uh, comprehensive solutions to a VP of sales and win together. So with that, I'm going to hand it off to Scott. And Scott, can you introduce our guests?
2: Absolutely. We have two goals that we're happening here. Goal number one is how do we start talking about one of the co- terms that we brought up is strategution. How do we actually bring to life the gap between strategy and execution for our critical uh, stakeholders, and in this case, uh, a VP of sales. That's the one thing, that's part one, and that's what I'm gonna cover. Part number two, what we're gonna get at is, okay, now that you have ideas of what might resonate and not, you're not in the order-taking business for sales leaders, you're in the uh, partnership business, Brian's gonna walk through with you how, you how he might role play out and introduce some of these ideas. And the way that we're going to bring it to bear, hopefully you've been tracking along and Insider Nation's been tracking along and that you're aware that uh, Brian and I have been hosting a series of webcasts, webinars, whatever you want to talk about it, around a variety of different topics. And it all comes from the COVID research that we've launched for you, Insider Nation, for our podcast. So we've done the most research around sales enablement, sales execution, sales productivity, whatever you want to call it post-research than anybody so far on the planet. And we've been carrying that forward by having lots and lots and lots of conversations. One of the conversation starters definitely are these webcasts. Uh, What's fantastic is uh, we're getting great feedback that they're very engaging. If you haven't participated in the one we're gonna talk about, which is called uh, Routes to Value, uh, enabling your customers to buy you are. You can go visit InsideSE.com and get a link to the download recording to hear the same thing that Joe heard. So now we're at the Joe. Joe was one of the participants in that Rouse to Value webinar. Joe is a VP of sales. He's been a VP of sales for many large uh, large companies. We'll have Joe uh, introduce himself and give us more of that color. But what we're gonna do now, we're in part one and we're gonna talk about what his reactions are to the content. That's in that uh, in that session around routes to value. Obviously, we're doing it a way that you don't have to have watched the webinar, but it'll probably be valuable to go back and listen to it. And again, the, to re reinf- reinforce what we're trying to do here, please listen and try to gain empathy first for how a sales and sales leader may take this content, and then we'll get into step step number two. What might you do about it with Brian? Now having said all that, I bet that's the longest uh, preamble to an introduction you've ever had before Joe, but we have got a radio show or a podcast. <laughs> yeah. here today. Well,
1: I think this the story from the early 1600s may have taken longer, but I'm not sure. <laughs> right,
2: so we, we're not taxing him with uh with that and uh right uh other stories there. Um and I think you weren't implying that Joe's been in sales since the 1600s, right? It
3: seems like it. <laughs> right. <laughs>
2: So with that, I'd like, uh, I'd like, you to, I'd like Joe, if you uh, wouldn't mind uh, to introduce yourself. This is Joe Hayes. He's yeah. uh, been a, the sales leader for quite some time. Please introduce um, uh, yourself and what your background is and how sure. you got connected with these webinars.
3: Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Thank you, Scott. and Thank you, Brian, for having me on your podcast today. Um, yeah, the, my background is I've been in media for basically my entire career, which is now 30 years. So, I started actually on the auditing side, working at uh, one of the one of the audit bureaus on the media side of the business. And then from there, um, I think the company felt I would do less damage in sales than in actually auditing itself. So, they moved me into sales. And then from there, um, I took a job. I was able to get a job as a sales, just a regular salesperson uh, within a company called SRDS, uh, which is a hundred-year-old business that basically... Um, connects buyers and sellers of media within an online planning platform. So I work for a company called SRDS. I've been working here for 20 years. Uh, worked my way up in the quickly within the ranks to head up the sales. And uh, so my clients uh, are both on the agency side, the largest U.S. advertising agencies, and then also the largest, some of the largest media companies that exist within the United States. So, uh, for example. Um, my clients are like Comcast, NBC, Viacom, CBS, uh, the Wall Street Journal, all the way down to uh, large B2B publications like Electrical Contractor. And so it, it runs the gambit. But uh, I have a sales team. I've had sales teams both on the agency side and the sales side uh, within the company that run into the you know, 20, 30 people. And then uh, within Nielsen, it was even larger. And then once we came over to Kantar, which is owned by WPP, uh, it's the same amount. So I've, I've had all the challenges of sales, of running a sales organization, um, but I will say um, I started carrying a bag and carrying a territory and worked my way up to managing a team. And to this day, I'm still very hands-on when it comes to sales. So uh, Scott asked, how, how did I come engaged with these webinars? It's because I'm always on the lookout for um, for good information, mm-hmm. and so when I first started hearing what Scott and Brian were doing with growth enablement, um, I, this was this was of interest to me. So I started listening to a lot of the things Scott was posting, and then I was uh, I was able, lucky enough, to join a couple of these webinars, which uh, which I found, uh, given COVID. And what we're living through right now, at least on my side of the business, on the sales side to media and agencies, um, I have found made it my uh, my my goal to find the time to join these webinars. And I found them very interesting. I've sent notes off to Scott telling him and Brian how valuable they are to me. And Scott reached out and said, hey, Joe, would you mind uh, joining just a quick podcast to talk about the last one we did, which was Routes to Value? So I hope that helps, Scott.
2: Yeah, that's a lot of great context and it's grounding for for our listeners. And what what we're trying to do is move to have conversations. It's one thing for you to, as an individual person to listen to a podcast or listen to uh, um, or participate in a in a webinar. It's something completely different to start piecing together how other people see it. And that's really what we're trying to do is bring that perspective. So. Joe, I don't want to do a lot of framing uh, for it. Just for our listeners, the, the scope of Routes to Value is uh, essentially, hey, look, uh, there's a lot of content that we make available for salespeople. And because we don't organize it in, in a um, cohesive way, it creates burden for our sellers. All the while, we should be working backwards from our customers to do it. What is working backwards from our customers to do it? Well, we've got a lot of stakeholders to manage and how do we visualize all of that? So we've developed an approach that uh, we call routes to value, which basically we start about uh, mapping out or modeling out the, the customer and their agreement network. Then it goes over to mapping and building a map of your product palette in a way that is more configurable for, sales, for customers to digest. And then... The third part then is to create a value map to help salespeople connect the dots. Mm-hmm. And it's really that simple. However, simple is sales is simple, but simple is hard.
3: Yes. And uh, no, I, I think um, in what you just touched on, Scott, I, I think even you'd be surprised at how many companies do not operate this way. And I would say later in in the webinar, when you really kind of draw this out about working back from the customer, it's just not done, it's not. Um, And that's where I think the real opportunity lies, especially now given what COVID has done to pipelines, it's basically decimated them. And uh, a lot of companies, I know Cantor in particular, uh, with their new owners, which are Bain, and just using them as an example, as well as other companies that I call on, are all going through the same thing. They're looking what's happened to these pipelines and uh, and that they're 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 suffering, and that a lot of the information being put in there just it it, it wasn't accurate. Um, and some of it is on the rep, but not all of it's on the rep. Yeah. And so um, so your your while it's easy for you to talk about Scott um, and build these slides, working back from the customer is.
2: Wait, did you just say it's easy? To build the slides? Yeah, no. Well,
3: it may be easy for you to talk to those slides (laughs) um, uh, because it's the experience that you've had. um, It definitely resonates with me because um, it's an issue that I've had for a number of years. Um, But it's not easy when you're working back from the customer. Too many companies feel that great. You work back from the customer. You work back from one person. And the fact of the matter is you're not working back from one person. You got to work back from a group, a network of people, and you got to know where those no's are. And not yeah. only that, you got to work internally within your own organization, and companies refuse to look at that. You were yeah, so that if-
2: yeah, let's let's do that. So I, I don't mean any disrespect when I say this, because I say this to a lot of sales leaders all the time. Uh, but I think when we're going through a major period of change like we are with Digital, the digital revolution was here before COVID. COVID has exasperated and accelerated it, and exposed a lot of pain. What really is happening is that sales—the sales, sales function—is kind of like canaries in a coal mine, and they're seeing all this poisonous gas, but don't have the words or vocabulary to describe it. So, part of what I'm going to, what I'm trying to do here, is connect the dots. Of we have some slides that you can go and listen to and some reactions, but how do we give some texture to this environment that is so inefficient and so painful, but most of management doesn't see and the sales force doesn't necessarily have the right vocabulary or ways to illuminate it. And we want to highlight these things because we want you as uh, the, the audience to be able to recognize how do I extract out or understand what's really going on rather than reading reports what everybody else thinks is going on. So Joe, can you elaborate a little bit on that? Is that fair to call you a canary in a coal mine or is that insulting? I don't know. No, I mean, sales,
3: we're, we're always a frontline troop. So canary in a coal mine, I think is very true. Um, but I, I will say, yeah, you're, you're right with that. And I, I don't take that as, a, as an insult in the least bit. Um, where the problem becomes is when you're not communicating uh, the gases in the mine back to your organization. And in some cases, when you do communicate that, it falls on deaf ears. So, um, so that, that's part of the issue as well. Um,
2: so let's walk through what, what are some, what are three highlights that you got from um, from this uh, from the conversation around Rouse to Value? What were some three sure. key takeaways that you had?
3: The first one, um, which you've brought up on a couple of them now is productitis. Uh, I love that. I thought you nailed that the first time you talked about it, you continue to talk about it. I now use it when I'm on sales calls um, to media companies and now they've taken it. So I've got, I've got to start uh, giving you credit for that. We got to start trademarking that. But um, the fact of the matter is um, we all suffer from it. Uh, My team in particular suffers from it. Uh, I work for an organization um, that feels that they know better than their clients So um, marketing teams feel that they know better. Um, The executives within the company feel the same thing. And all we're doing is pushing out product. And then it's left to the sales team to go out and uh, really be carry that load of trying to go into companies, huge companies like Comcast and try and sell a list of a thousand products that, that none of them meet what they're looking for, the needs of what they're looking for and uh and that that's part of the problem it's a major problem right now
2: so and, Joe, what uh, is productitis? What is it?
3: well for me it's a I guess it's an explosion of confusing and misaligned activities um, it, it's It's marketing coming to us in a sales team uh, with the next new shiny fish and with the instructions of drop everything you're doing. This is what we need to be focusing on. Um, we've had an acquisition. We wanna be pushing this out. It's another division within the corporate umbrella of Cantar, uh, of and we wanna be focusing and getting our clients um, at least looking at this and buying it. The fact of the matter is though, is the people that my team is talking to aren't even involved in that type of decision making. So we miss the mark continuously that's that's to me is the product that's the definition of productitis
2: so the reason that uh, for our audience the reason that we worked on creating a, that an identity is because it's really hard to talk about the poisonous gas that we're running into so productitis becomes that poisonous gas and it becomes a great talking point with very little setup you can get uh get tr- traction i doubt very serious joe i mean I don't know what I want to speak for heads of sales, but I just think it's really unlikely that a head of sales that we're going to run into in any industry is going to say, Oh no, we don't have product Titus at all.
3: Um, I, I, yeah, I don't think you would. I think most of them will say that, um, or at least agree to it in some, in some, in some degree. Um, I will tell you that on, on, in my case and in other cases of most of the time that I've been in sales, uh, this has been going on for quite some time. And here's the other thing. How many times can you keep going back to the same client with a new shiny fish? I mean, after a while they just say, no, well, they, they just turn it off. So every time we go back in there with the new shiny fish to, to keep pushing it uh, we're losing more and more credibility with the few people, the stakeholders within the organizations that we have large, uh, large pieces of business. So think about that too. Um, because how many times can someone say, I, I'm not the right person for that?
2: Right, and then keep meeting you the next time.
3: Correct. I, I mean, I, I, Scott, I've, I've actually had a story where a, the largest single piece of business that ever came through the channel at SRDS was my client. It was, uh, it was ESPN at the time. And like anything, once people get whiff of, there's large money and there's a big deal. Everyone wants to own it. Everyone wants a piece of it. So an executive wanted to join me on a call with ESPN. They wanted to go in there. They didn't care. And I was kind of forced to do this, which which upset me. But that's the way it is. So being the new guy, I kind of went in there and brought that person along. And the person launched into um, a new product launch that had nothing to do with the decision making or the budgets that sat with the person across the desk that we were meeting with. We left the meeting. By the time I got back to my office, there was an email in my inbox from now an account that had just signed up within the last six months and said, if you ever bring that person back into my office, we will cancel our program. Now that's a true story.
2: And and, uh, I I empathize because I've had similar situations myself or my sales world. Look at what bad position you're in. How do you bring that up to your boss? you know, that executive. Um, And why did they think that they, that they're, what made them think that they can go and add value in the first place? Um, I think it's just because they
3: feel that they're in an executive level and they got there by making sales Um, and maybe they did. But the fact of the matter is by, and you bring this up in your webinar, you need, you need on your end to be doing your homework, about who you're meeting with, what their decision making is, where is the adult, where's the big money set? And if you're not doing the homework and this person didn't, you're going to miss the mark every time. And not only that, you're putting the person who has the relationship at risk at losing that business because you just felt that at that time you wanted to have a little checklist of I went into ESPN and I pitched this shiny new fish. And that's really all that, that at that point, that's all that executive wanted. That, that's sad. Uh,
2: let, let me um, kind of play devil's advocate here with you uh, yeah. because this might be on the minds of some of our, uh, some of our listeners. Well, just get your sales reps to do better account planning. How come they didn't do that? How come they don't do that? And I think sort of, you know, I, I'd love to sort of expand that topic here about how much burden is placed on reps, which is another thing about productitis is that when, you don't understand when the company doesn't understand or have empathy at how complex these conversations are. It's easy to make statements like that. So what, what would be, what was another topic, uh, in the, in the webinar that resonated with you, Joe? The other one was, uh, now
3: we're getting into the parts where, where I feel like I need to know more. I went back and listened to your webinar, Scott. I know you just talked about going in and listening. I would encourage your listeners, even if they were on the call last week to go back and listen to it. Um, but the other thing is, markets don't write checks; customers do. Um, if I hear go-to-market strategy one more time, I'm going to blow my brains out. Um, it just we don't we don't look to grow our businesses through the lens of our customers. Um, we we fail at that, uh, and we have for quite a while now, where all our time and energy is spent on on. Developing new products or new marketing pieces, and we're not going in there and really taking that same time, energy, and resource and building a network, an agreement network within uh, our largest uh, our largest clients, which, by the way, happened to be where most of our revenue sits. So that was the other one that stuck with me.
2: So on that on, on that note, I'm going to be a little uh, little bit of a devil's advocate, uh, trying to corral the opinions of many of our listeners so one part would be why don't you just provide your salespeople personas about who you're selling to that's customer focused and then the second thing is that clearly is the reason why somebody needs to map out the buyer's journey Uh, what are your reactions to those
3: well i would say this uh i'm in agreement with you i don't i think personas is a is a bad and flawed strategy I think you need to know who the stakeholders are and uh, the titles and the influences that they play within these, these large um, corporations, these large entities and personas just doesn't cut it. Um, So that came up in the webinar. um, And I agree with you on that. I think it's too often people talk about uh, the persona, Uh, but here we'll concentrate on this persona. But the fact of the matter is when you're within these large entities you've got a whole bunch of different people uh, that are with their responsibilities lie in different areas and they can very easily put the kill button on a deal and you miss that. Um, so that, that's one of my answers.
2: Also uh, my question to you, Joe, is inside an organization, who, who do you think would have the credibility to actually map out or work backwards from customers? You mentioned, look, if I hear go to market again, you know, I'm going to, Hurt myself, <laughs> but uh, who inside the company would be responsible for doing something different?
3: Well, within, uh, within my company, I would leave the salesperson, the salesperson the person who's got the relationship, who's going in there doing it. That's who I'd be looking to, and then and then getting the right people within our organization, are uh, the right people to play. But that would they, that person would be the orchestrator, the salesperson.
2: So how, how, if I'm a sales enablement person, then what's my job? And how, how, how would we push back on what's the job of marketing? Don't they have a voice or don't they say that they uh, have a voice of the customer? Um, How how do you put these, these dots together? I guess, if you will, if you were going to try to say, Hey, uh, um, executive team, what if we were to go to customer instead of go to market? What would that, conversation look like for you, Joe?
3: I think you'd you'd want to work back again from the customer. Uh, You'd want to connect the dots of our capabilities, what we have, all our capabilities, and present it in a way to the customer. Find out what the customer is looking for, what they want, and then, then work back, go back to marketing, find out what the capabilities are that match back to what the client is looking for, and then give it to the sales rep to map it, to go back to the, uh, to the customer.
2: So, so basically what I heard is, so uh, the first thing that resonated with you the most is the idea of productitis because it gives an identity for this um, invisible problem that you've been running with, right? That's number one. Yes. And number two is the, the idea that saying we got to get a lot more precise Uh, about who our customers are the wallet owners that we've got their relationships that they have with each other. There's a lot of knowable things that we could model out beforehand that we're just not. And that would be really, really valuable because uh, there's a lot of complexity involved in navigating an agreement network. Is that fair? Correct. Okay. So then we're at point number three and then this is our last point before we wrap up and let, uh, uh, turn it over to Brian and how, how, Um, we'll shift gears. So what was point number three that you got away, got out of, not got away with, got out of um, the webinar?
3: Well, probably of those is the last one was the routes to value itself. Um, To me, where a lot of this, where you work back from the customer to the capability to the salespeople, um, where it all started to take shape with me, Scott, is uh, the simple visualizations of, of having the role chart, the value map, and the product palette. Um, I think at one point in the webinar, you mentioned the fact of uh, you know, less words, that you have to have simple visualizations to go back, um, to be able to connect all these dots and for people to understand um, and to make sense of the complexities that are out there, the simple way to do it, to, to make those, to simplify the complexities. But you have a chart um, where you talk about working back from the executive suite, the VP, and then you work back to the the value map um, and then ultimately to a simple product palette. Um, if you remember that, you talk about that, and to me, that kind of simplified the complexities of the um, of working back from customers to capabilities to salespeople um, and you kind of, you bring that out and saying, listen, if you, if you make it easy for the sales team to go to clients, customers, and lay out the capabilities that match back to um, their issues, the, the problems that they're looking to solve, um, the greater the opportunity to land the bigger pieces of business or to grow that business internally. I hope that makes sense.
2: Yeah, it would definitely make sense to me. You're referring to slides that I made, but I'm going to try to replay what I heard you say uh, to connect with, uh, connect with the audience. So part of what's uh, challenging everyone is when you're dealing with a complex problem, a lot of us want to put individual slides together to treat the symptom. And the tra- symptom doesn't solve the problem. Solving the problem requires us to take a step back and be holistic. Uh, for those of you who remember the being heroic framework, Uh, H is uh, holistic. The challenge is you have to be able to show all of those dots connected in a visual way with as few words as possible, because unfortunately you as a sales enablement person might see the same thing, but your words are going to be different than maybe Joe as the VP of sales. Uh, And that might be different than the words that somebody in product might see or might be different than the words that somebody in marketing might see. And one of the things that's so important is to create an esprit de corps. Uh, listen how fancy I sound with yeah. trying to use some French. Uh, but you have to create a mechanism for a lot of people to buy in. And I think it's really important that we do that for sales leaders because of the whole idea of uh, the invisible gas. The productitis is the invisible gas. Now my role as a sales enablement leader for Joe is to go and get that internal buy-in. He can be my advocate. He can be my champion. But I have to go and get that buy-in because it's probably going to be too difficult for him to do it because he's going to want to relate with specific examples and he's going to be met with uh, stone faces from everybody else. And there, it's, it's not going to be relatable. So another goal that we have to do is to create visualizations to translate the reality that Joe's running into uh, to make it relatable so that people can understand first so that then we can get the opportunity to move things forward, is that fair, Joe?
3: It's very fair, um, because on both ends you've got to make it simple for the and easy for the client to understand, but you also need it to make it simple and easy for uh, the people within my own organization to understand. I think you talked to about it as uh, English to English, the friction that comes with that. So you yeah, have to make English it English easy.
2: translation. absolutely. Yes. so tough. you need
3: you need yeah, it's very tough. Um, but I will say that you've done a great, a great job in making it um, for people such as myself to visualize that and make it work. Because without that, um, the complexity of the situation almost prevents you from wanting to deal with it. Yeah, or like,
2: even talking about it. Like, how would you even talk about it? it, it there's,
3: there's, like you said, uh, less is more. Less talk is more. Um, and I would not have thought of going the visual route. Um, on the routes to value. I would have thought, you would have seen in something I created or our marketing team would have created, would be a lot more words, Scott. And that's where you miss that English, that's where that friction comes from English to English translation. And while it may hit with one or two people on our client side, uh, it's not gonna hit with the multitude over
2: there, it just won't. Yeah, let's, let's take the word. So an English word is data. How many people in that executive, in, that, in those agreement networks that you run into, how many different perceptions of data are you going to run into? And you're talking about data lakes and data, data, data. Yeah. Um, but what are the perceptions? How many different ways can people perceive that one concept or one word?
3: Absolutely. Uh, each person probably within uh, within our clients would have a different idea of that. And then what about this? What about the the people that have been burnt on the IT side uh, by data or yeah. swimming in data? Uh, you, that you're at a no before you've even gotten there. So. Um, because they're like, I'm not going to invest in another, uh, data solution. It's not, it, it's just, there's no way. I've got right. too so many some
2: people have PTSD for, <laughs>
3: <you> know, for, <laughs> Good for, for data. That's um, it.
2: And then some people have completely different perspectives of what data is. And if you're selling an integrated set of, uh, capabilities, uh, that are data driven, it makes it really, really hard to land the adult wallet contracts if you can't get people on the same page.
3: Yes. Um, You're absolutely right, Scott. And then I would say, the last thing to talk about was um, being in sales, and still going out there and talking to clients. Um, The the other part that really hit home to me that kind of piggybacks off the routes to value was the real life examples that you used. Because it's one thing to talk about something in a webinar. It's another thing to use real life examples of where it's worked. And let me tell you something, I could sell that internally within my own organization, but the one thing they're going to ask for is, you know, great, that's awesome. Uh, where are the examples? Show, yep. us the, show us the real life examples where this has worked. And so um, I'm piggybacking off the routes to value, but to use them as real life examples really resonated with me because I know with that and with some help, because again, this is new to me, uh, it's enlightening and it's where I want to go. But um, I'm going to need those real life examples to sell that.
2: So that's a great segue here for our orchestrators. So part of our goal here, as I I stated earlier on, we want to give you the the point of view of providing new ideas to to sales leaders to adjust challenges that they're experiencing in this uh, digital slash COVID world. Well, now what we're going to do is we're going to shift gears here and we're going to take the you know, the learnings that we've got. Oh, that's interesting, you know, I- interesting point. Now we're going to st- say, ask you guys to internalize this and think about you're the role of the orchestrator. How are you going to get buy-in for everybody to help Joe out? And now we're going to turn over to, to Brian. He's going to play that role. So Brian, t- tell us what you're doing here to help uh, develop the muscles, uh, the orchestrator muscles that we've decided to pivot to to make our whole podcast about.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and uh, fascinating conversation thus far. And to your point, Scott, there's this uh, need that that many orchestrators have to to begin to to action this. And the challenge is is massive, but there's also a lot of common ground, um, and that's where I want to start here. So that's that's my first tip or my first idea of, of orchestration is, you know, find the common ground and. Uh, I want to unpack that a little bit here as as we start positioning ways that orchestrators might be able to help a VP of sales. But first, I do want to pause and just kind of recognize that this conversation is already most likely quite different uh, than than a, a usual conversation with a VP of sales. Just the fact that we're talking about things that are more in the root cause challenge space, such as product titus, how do we define... Uh, what it means to actually, you know, quote unquote, work back from a customer, which means, you know, understanding all the roles, understanding how customers make decisions, how understanding the various processes and procedures, and really getting a lot of empathy for the customer side of the sales conversation. You know, that, so just with productitis, what does that mean? What might be getting in the way of our own company and then going outside the company and say, you know, when, when our salespeople are having conversations how might we work backwards uh, from those conversations? We're earning a bit of a different space for, for some of our listeners who in a a VP of sales discussion are are more about, you know, here's the list of things I'm working on. Here's what we're going to get done this week. Here's what we're going to get done next quarter. What do you think? Great. I'm out of here. Let's go, 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 go. So I I just wanted to pause and and, and, uh, recognize that this discussion is a bit more uh, top down, and also more about the, the what it means to communicate value, which is great, which is where orchestrators need to be when you think about what it means. And so, with that, if I were to position this, I would I would actually repeat the history. <laughs> so we didn't have a, a history story at the beginning of this podcast, but if we do play the tape a little bit and rewind on what Joe said, you know, Scott, him him being curious about some of the things that you put on LinkedIn also him engaging around your content and look, and look at the power of the visuals that, that you've put in front of him through this, through this process. I would leverage those to start positioning these concepts. I already know in my world that me bringing these up, uh, it's going to be incredibly difficult. And you've already hinted at how much work it is to position some of this stuff and create some of these visuals. And they're already working with somebody like Joe. So why wouldn't I use those, you know? So instead of me trying to carve out a new discussion, uh, I, I probably would be in the space of, hey, I went to that webinar, uh, you know, and, and Joe, what I would ask you is, if you go back three or four months pre-Scott and, and a sales enablement person came to you and said, you know, one, you guys, you should, you should go to this video, you should come to this webinar, Joe, let's go together. How would you respond? And then two, what if what if I brought some of these visuals uh, to you with with scott 's talk track, would that have been effective as well
3: yeah that 's a great question. I would say if you'd come to me at the beginning of the year, Brian uh, and said hey i have this this it 's a new way to look at things um, you know talking about commercial ratio, all the different things and that like, you, I, it wouldn't have happened um, because back then I thought I had all the answers or you think you have all the answers and then things change and you know pipelines blow up or whatever." But um, I doubt you would have gotten me. What I will say would have grabbed my attention, absolutely, and it did out of the gate, are um, some of the visuals, Um, some of the the, the verbiage. Commercial ratio uh, has grabbed my attention. Productitis absolutely has um, grabbed my attention. Um, Stratocution. So I'm trying to think of some of the things that have have always grabbed my attention and grabbed me early. because productitis is something I'm living through. So it connected with me immediately. So mm-hmm. in answer to your question, I don't think out of the gate you would have gotten me. But if you'd sent me in an email or um, a quick little snippet video or posted something on LinkedIn and I was following you or someone that I follow liked it and I'd seen it, I would have engaged with it. Because I've, I've been known to do that in the past. Um, but it was Scott's LinkedIn uh, communications that grabbed me at first
1: yeah and if you um so just on those three like productitis that's this idea of it's a big complex mess that you you are having to deal with and so that resonates which is a good entry point for me is you know how do we start managing the complexity a bit more and um what are you what are you uh, feeling internally as far as support and alignment another one is this gap uh, between strategy and execution mm-hmm. that we talk about on the podcast, which is blending those together. You have to, you have to operate in a space between strategy and tactics by blending strategy and tactics that those, those things are overlapped. They're not separate and exclusive. So you feel that on a daily basis with your team. It's hard. It's hard. You recognize that. That'd be, that'd be a good place to enter in uh, as well.
3: And uh, and I would think the commercial ratio, although that needs a little more explaining, but Mm -hmm. the visual uh, commercial ratio, when you really get down to it, you start thinking about sales and marketing and revenue growth and you're like, oh, holy, you know, whatever yeah. Uh, yeah. We, we, we're not doing, we're not, we're not revving this engine the way it should be. And it's because I think sometimes you, you get that systems failure from productitis um, mm-hmm. that contributes to costs. Um, but I would say to everyone on who's listening on the podcast, if you really want to engage, engage with sales leaders right now, um, my gut tells me, that if you're going to resonate and get and get people to react quickly, go with productitis as your lead.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, and then in that, um, and, and and our listeners can can get the visuals, uh, which is if you picture it in your mind, if you haven't seen it, it's a big, huge uh, <laughs> dirt ball, a big blob of black with a bunch of detail in it. So the closer you look, the more you see see things in it like products. <laughs> but when you first look at it, it looks like a big Ink blot or dirt ball, or I think somebody once called it a fur ball. <laughs> uh, there are other other names for it too. So I just want to picture that in your head. And
3: yeah, and, uh, I, I would say this too, is that the one thing about salespeople, um, you know, you can use all the different analogies you want, but you know, at the end of the day, we're all in the trenches together. We've all fought the same fight and um I'd be hard pressed to think that you're not going to get an agreement on product Titus at this point. So I think that would resonate with a lot of people and you'd score points.
1: Yeah. Because what that leads to and what, what the second thing is, if if I, so if I have that kind of an entry point with you, um, the the second thing is to, to really frame it out and to, to empathize. And what you and Scott were talking about was these things that, you know, loosely aligned to what, what uh, some call seller burden, you know, the burden on sales and, the burden on the the salespeople Mm -hmm. to have these conversations. So this big, huge blob of productitis, um, if if that's not managed by the company, uh, the salespeople have to manage it, for example. So there's a lot of burden in that. And that's something I think, as an orchestrator, we can unpack with you and then be curious about, right?
3: Absolutely. The the more you can take that weight off uh, off, uh, my team's back and my back, the better. there's an old saying in sales, I guess, sometimes you hear it. Uh, you take the grief and you share the glory. It's the same thing. Um, everything seems to fall on the back of salespeople. It always has. I think it's more these days. Um, but the more you can come in to try and offer um, a solution to take some of that that burden and weight off the sales, um, you'll get people. Uh, people, it will connect with people, definitely on the sales side.
1: Yeah, and especially if um, the person, the orchestrator can relate to you and also get in the foxhole with you and, and do with you and not do to you, right? That's a thing that I, I constantly harp on. In, in these roles of sales enablement, it's not about doing to sales. It's about doing with with sales. And to the canary in the coal mine comment that Scott had, uh, if you guys are literally <laughs> falling dead in the mine um, and, and everybody else is tone deaf to that, uh, that's, that's gotta suck. And so from an orchestrator perspective, having, you know, what is happening in, in the trenches, what's, what's going on from a, the foxhole or, or in the coal mine and trying to unpack that to empathize and then give it, give it an identity and, and then maybe provide some solutions or recommendations about how to do this together and test new things.
3: Right. Well, I, I would think, yeah, I think once you get the buy-in on the product Titus and you get agreement there, um, I think you then, you then think about, okay, so how do we work back from the customer? Because if you get agreement that there's product Titus it's being driven from the company or it's being drifted, being driven by the vendor, um, once you get the agreement on that, then I think you can also get them to focus on hey maybe maybe the other way is to work back from the customer and then you can become more of that, that consultative type of, um, of person trying to work with the sales leader. And that, yeah. that, that, I'd be open to, because let me tell you something. Um, the minute you see how complex it is to work back from the, uh, from the, the client, because it's not just one person, you're dealing with multitudes of people there. You're going to need help, especially if you haven't done it before. So there's mm. another opportunity for your, for your group.
1: Yeah. And, and to the discussion earlier, if I say, well, you know, just go to the, go to the share drive or go to Slack and download the personas and you're good. Yeah, <laughs> that's not what you want to do and that's not what orchestrators do but yeah um, and that's
3: uh it's the one thing i've learned from listening to scott you know personas i, it, I you're walking in a minefield with that um
1: but yeah it's not specific enough and it's no. not detailed enough to tackle the product titus. and i fall. think
3: i think the minute you give agreement to per, personas you're then playing to your own company you know, now it's easy for them to say, well, then you don't need this because uh, we're, we're covered because look and at the we're personas. not going to do the work. Cause all Correct.
1: the answers, you've agreed to all the answers. They're right. Correct. The T pager about, Correct. uh, you know, uh, loopy Larry or whatever his name is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so now, so we framed it out a bit and I think, you know, from an orchestrator perspective, when I engage in the, the, the problem discussion or, the idea of what's really happening and I'm empathizing with the burden and I'm, I'm talking about productitis with the VP of sales. There's different places that I could go as, a, as an orchestrator. So in the um, original research, we, we framed out uh, these areas, these sandboxes or these domains and flavors of sales enablement, such as talent enablement and pipeline enablement, organizational enablement, messaging enablement, commercial enablement. Those were, those were uh, areas of scope that now I can bring into this conversation. And the, the routes to value webinar that you're reacting to Joe was, was actually on the heels of a, a webinar where Scott was talking about you know moving the middle in the middle of the funnel. So that was moving the middle was a pipeline enablement mm. uh, webinar. This routes to value is more in the messaging enablement space. So by you reacting to that, I can now as an orchestrator start scoping. We're not talking about talent enablement. We're not talking about, you know, role profiles of salespeople and what it means to onboard because I'm, I'm getting, you know, Joe to unpack product Titus. I'm not talking about organizational enablement and simplifying a bunch of workflows and processes with him. I'm talking about, and he's reacting to this webinar, which is, which is a messaging enablement um, discussion. So that's, that's the scope here of this. And, and again, um, in that scope, then, you know, what kind of uh, offers or solutions might I have as an orchestrator? And the interesting thing about this, and I'm just trying to connect dots for our listeners is in the message enablement space, post COVID middle of the funnel, there are not a lot of answers. (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, If you're going, Hey, I got it off the shelf. Uh, You know, I read a blog on that. Here you go, Joe. Uh, That doesn't exist right now. You just, you heard Joe talk about how different this world is. So, you know, Joe, how do I, as an orchestrator, come in? Do I come in with all the answers and say, here's the 14 things we ought to try? Or is this no. is this more of a consultative sale that I need to take with you? I, my advice would
3: be more of the consultative because I think if you come in uh, with the approach of, Here, here's 14 things, it's almost too much. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's hard to get your hands around that. Um, I, I would kind of say you, you start with a, a series of sprints and er- earn their trust that way. Um, you know, if you, if you get the buy-in with productitis and it leads into uh, the messaging part of it and getting in early to clients, uh, you know, help them create a vision and all of a sudden they immediately start to see um, how that's uh, working for them, how um, sales are increasing, the pipelines are growing, uh, there are better conversations with clients, um, then that leads to the next series, the next yeah. thing you do. And I just think that always works better, Brian because if you come in and that just especially to us selling to a salesperson you just think like dude <laughs> you're trying to sell me a lot of stuff right now and that's just too much you yeah. got to find the one thing that works and then capitalize on it and uh, build the trust that way
1: yeah and i and my last point on this and, and and then i'll bring scott back in but this this piece here where we're at here uh this is a it's a green field, it's a white space it's a creative space it's a let's figure this out together space. I don't want to I'm not implying that there is a ready-made answer um, by any means, but I think by getting in the foxhole and saying, let's figure it out together and let's take a bite of the apple together or one piece of the elephant at a time. Now we're into a space of how do we partner together? How do we work together? What uh, resources do you have and what resources do I have? What capabilities do you have? What capabilities do I have? What What's your point of view? What's my point of view? And that's where real collaboration and and what what we talked about on the previous podcast, synthesis comes in. And I think that's the technique and that's the solution here is the ability to partner in the foxhole to figure it out quickly um, through perhaps testing and learning, prototyping, design thinking, things like that, as opposed to here's the answer. Let's try this because quite frankly, a lot of the answers that are that codified are going to be pre-COVID jump to the answer you know we've done that before probably anyway to be honest with you so to me what what i would be selling as an orchestrator is look i I don't have all the answers but i do have resources i do have a lot of uh, frameworks that i've been exposed to uh let's let's go through some of these uh maybe uh design sessions or some sessions here to what i would call figure it out meetings Mm -hmm. that we can develop some sort of uh roadmap and sprint cadence around in fact Joe, you know, the the webinar that Scott had, he had that in there. And maybe we start with that. How might we take that roadmap that he put together and uh, what would those sprints look like and and figure it out together?
3: Yeah, and and, and how do you measure the results of that? Because the other way for me to get buy-in from those above me is they'll only sign off on those types of sprints and then they're going to want to see the results from it. But the more results we can put up and show that come from it, Uh, the bigger dollars I could get. I can get to commit to it.
1: Yeah. I'll say this,
3: Brian, and I don't want to, I don't want to go over here. i was always respectful of people's time, but I will, I'll tell you a quick story and then we can pass this back to Scott um, about why, why this, uh, this last webinar was, why it resonated with me so much, especially on the routes to value. Um, is that recently we had um, a CFO come in and speak from, uh, from, you know, the world worldwide WPP came in and gave a presentation. And, uh, and I've referenced this once before, but basically the guy flew in from Europe, this is pre COVID and gave a presentation about uh, the biggest accounts within WPP and Cantar and, um, and went up there, he did, you can tell, he spent his, did his homework, did all this time and energy and came in and said, basically, every time we sell one product into our biggest accounts, the average deal size is $250,000 across a thousand clients, let's say. Uh, when we sell two pieces, uh, two of our divisions or two of our products within our client, it jumps to... A million dollars fast forward you know a million but once you sell four of our products into uh, our biggest accounts it's like two and a half three million dollars so you can see the increases here and so the whole focus of this presentation was to talk about being client-centric how we need to focus on the client that the, if we go in there and we have a strategy for the client <laughs> everything was about the client and uh, because you could see the numbers the CFO knows what those numbers are but the fact of the matter is there's no strategy within the sales team that goes about how, what is the game plan for Johnson & Johnson? What is the game plan for Microsoft? What is the game plan for Google and our biggest clients? And the, because the fact is there isn't one. So the CFO does all – he can tell you exactly what the numbers are, but the fact when it comes to sales and the strategy and the execution of it, it doesn't exist and, and that, that's why the timing of some of this is so important right now to sales leaders, because they need to figure this out and they need to figure it out quickly. And so, um, so that, that's just a, a, just a little story I'd like to share with you guys, because yeah. uh, the, the timing of this stuff is, is, is important to a lot yeah. of people.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. And I think uh, it's great words of advice and, and Scott, I'd love you to come back in and share your thoughts and also recap the final piece that I would have is right now, um, you know, we're all human beings and we may perceive our value to be the stuff we produce, or we may perceive the value of what we do based on where we sit in the org chart or who we work for really in a, in a time like this, the value is, is uh, created by what's between your ears, your brain. And uh, humans love to solve problems. And this is a great problem solving time. So you know, free your mind kind of thing and, and tackle the, these, these root cause challenges, understanding that you, you may not uh, have all the answers and also the way, that, you know, the way you've approached it before may not work in the new. And uh, there's an opportunity in that. And I think that's what this, this highlights here. And, and to Scott's point that he shared earlier, if, if not you, then who? Uh-huh. Who's going to help orchestrate and lead this? to help sales leaders be successful. So uh, Scott, what thoughts do you have on that? And, and uh, do you think, uh, you know, you want to highlight any other development points or concepts to our audience? Yeah, what I want to highlight is uh,
2: th- there's, there's this really interesting thing what happens is when you start having conversations. And first of all, what makes a conversation? A conversation is what Joe and I had. We were just sharing information back and forth. And to piggyback on what you said, Brian, value is co-created. It's not between one person's ears, it's between the ears of many other people when you can be curious and figure out what the real problems are. And what I'd love to share with Insider Nation, what, we're, what we hear from you as listeners is how come our companies don't value our role more? How come they don't value me more? Uh, how come I don't have more resources? Well, we're telling you if, if you, if we're a show you listen to, we have data on all of these webinars that we're doing. Number one, if you're not joining in the webinars, it's interesting because we're getting an increased amount of VPs of sales and CMOs that are participating in our webinars. And that's interesting. Why are, why are we drawing their attention and you're not participating in that? So it's an opportunity for you to learn. Number two, what's the element that uh, that Brian brought up or a state of change is in a state of change, it requires a complete mindset shift. So instead of showing up and saying, I have to have the answer or I have to know everything there is to know about commercial ratio, well, we're in the process of figuring out. One of the guests that we're going to have uh, is another VP of sales like Joe, and he really appreciated the, the introduction to the commercial ratio. Uh, Brian and I were on a uh, sales enablement society uh, webinar or, or actually post crossing the, what do we call it? Sales enablement was at a crossroads. The very first of our yeah. webinar yes. series. And one of the, one of the sales leaders felt, com- luckily felt comfortable enough and he challenged us and said, uh, Hey, what's the roadmap going to look like for, uh, for this commercial ratio? I buy it. I get it. Give me the game plan. Cause I'm going to have to sell this internally. So that is a very direct question. We was delighted to see uh, two webinars later, we had a whole one dedicated and a lot of work went into it. Why? Well, I picked up the phone and I called Canal. I said, Canal, we need to make a roadmap. <laughs> they said, yeah, I'm hearing the same thing from, um, from the portfolio companies as we roll this out. So we just started collaborating, throwing things together as quickly as possible. And then it creates more slides and more things to build on. The only way that you're going to be able to take advantage of that is if you are engaged. And engaged means being sy- synthesizing information instead of analyzing information. And Brian, we had a podcast with uh, Brooke around that very, very topic. So the point that we're trying to make here is the purpose of the reason, that uh, the purpose of why we're doing the things that we're doing is because our job is to help create the environment for Insider Nation to Elevate. Your job, if you wanna elevate your role, if you wanna be more important, you're gonna have to learn some of these techniques. And we can't spoon feed them with you because things are happening so fast. So what we recommend that you do is engage if something about this webinar, or sorry, podcast doesn't make sense, call us. Or send us an email, say that doesn't make sense. Because what's gonna happen is you learn by the questions. We're, we're, we're going to have some more uh, podcasts around the commercial ratio. There's a whole bunch of questions that people have there. We've uh, been able to get, Brian and I have been able to get three or four uh, other of our listeners together to have chat sessions. These are all the things that we need to do. We need to learn from you about what dots we need to connect. You need to get engaged because you can't just sit there and expect to slide a, a, a sheet of paper over to, a, over to head of sales. And you don't want to be order taking from heads of sales. And frankly, I don't think heads of sales want you to be, want what comes out of their mouth is what they're seeing to be exactly created in the exact words that they said. I think they expect some thought put into it and that you've, uh, you've, you've put those things together. Mm. Is, that, is that true, Joe? Yes. So you have a lot of opportunities here. The issue is you can't be treating this like it's a, a standard role. You can't be saying, well, I'm following... Um, the Kirkpatrick model and this is the way it is and this is the inputs that I need and you sure as heck can't be saying that's not my job because ultimately this is no one's job and that's really the problem and it creates the opportunity for you to elevate your role and be an orchestrator so those are my, those are my thoughts uh, on, on, the, on, on this podcast what we recommend you do go and listen to more podcasts visit InsideSC.com to find the podcast that you want to listen to maybe listen to them more often than not have a conversation with somebody, find somebody in insider nation, have a conversation with them about these topics, but don't get into how are you doing it? How are you doing it? How are you doing it? Be more curious who needs to be involved? How are you getting the buy-in from, from your sales leader? How are you translating the, the dots between the initiative that you need to do and the, and the work sprints that you need to get going? And how do you manage that into an orchestrated project? You've heard Kathy talk about those things. You've heard Doug talk about these things on our podcast, re-listen to them. And another thing to do would be find some of the uh, microsites that we're producing and give us feedback on how to make it easier to find, obviously, Uh, engage in dialogues on LinkedIn with with topics. Say, hey, I don't get this. What are you talking about? Or do you mean this? Or do you mean that? Engagement is critically important. And the last thing is go to insidese.com learn about what the research process is that got us here so that you have that as a foundation and watch uh, and participate in some of, the, some of the webinars. Brian, you have any final thoughts or reactions to the, to the summary?
1: Yeah, it's great. I love it. Uh, absolutely, uh, definitely do what you said. And then also I want to thank Joe for uh, coming on and uh, letting me try to sell to him. I think what we did is unpack a, a bit of a sales process and also uncover the reality that we're both in the same boat so uh, people like joe put his pants on the same same way i do (laughs) so you know uh, that's the big takeaway for our audience from that that perspective so thanks so much joe for coming on.
3: I i would only say um two things um number one thank you for having me number two um really thank you for having me but also thank you for what you guys are doing um i don't think you hear that a lot it's it's um Maybe it's from one salesperson to another because you're helping. You're helping to orchestrate what we do, um, what smart salespeople should be doing, which is looking at things through a different uh, a different lens. Because we need to. Um, so you're helping. At least uh, and in my case, you're absolutely helping. So thank you for that. And number two, to Scott's point, um, I, one takeaway I would tell everyone: we live in a world of immediacy. Um, if you have a question, you have to raise your hand. You've got to get your, you've got to push things out. You've got to answer. Um, You got to be taking a lead Um, because I can tell you just from my own experience in sales, um, people respect that now. The the quicker you can get back to people, the quicker you get um, more of that thought leadership positioning out there, Um, people respect that. And uh, and it gives you definitely a competitive advantage out there for others. So just think about that. What Scott's saying is absolutely right. Go listen to these webinars. Um, Go engage on LinkedIn. Go into social media. Um, Do some podcasts. Uh, Engage with your customers. Uh, Ask them questions. Go back and forth. Uh, It's the best way to build relationships. So that's it. Thank you.
0: Thanks for joining us. To become an insider and amplify your journey, make sure you've subscribed to our show. If you have an idea for what Scott and Brian can cover in a future podcast or have a story to share, please email them at engage at insidese.com. You can also connect with them online by going to insidese.com, following them on Twitter, or sending them a LinkedIn request.